All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 87 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Julian Gill, and joining me on the panel are, well, it looks like a bunch of usual suspects. Ken, 69th Blizzard, Lonnie, St. Louis Kiss, thank you for all the pain you've just gone through, by the way, and Marcus Sorry, Almighty, here. Mark. <laughs> Sometimes it's a struggle, but we're, gl- we're, we're glad that you're here and going to be a part of the conversation. So I, th- I think uh, let's just do some news quickly. Uh, new Kiss Magazine is coming out that's been put together by keith and the gang and it looks to be interesting i've ordered my copy so that hopefully i get a free gene pick um and and where's that Uh, i think it's officialkissmagazine.com let me just double check that yeah yeah officialkissmagazine.com get your copy there looks like it's uh gonna be interesting so we'll see how that one compares to the previous official kiss magazine but with it in uh in those people's hands i think it should be definitely worth its money so we shall see uh what else has happened recently oh yeah something came out on the what was it the 26th 26th kiss yes rocks vegas and that's going to be the topic today. Um, obviously, I'm guilty of cheating on these guys and doing a show with uh, Ken on the podcast. But uh, you know what? Can't talk about this new release too little. It really is that enjoyable for me personally. I'm going to be more of a host today and just chime in with a couple of thoughts from a few um, additional viewings and listenings that I've had this week since I did the the podcast recording with uh, Ken and John. But let's jump straight into the topic, guys. Uh, number one, everyone bought it, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. I'll, sh- I'll show well, you. I, don't know. <laughs> no. I got mine right here. Oh, there it is. Good. Yeah, and here's, Ken's got here's part, of part of it. Oh, yeah. Ken's got a big one. We all, we all three have different ones. We all three showed up differently. Held up yeah. different versions. You yeah. just, you just Where can't... did you get that at, Ken? I was, yours came with like a koozie and some other crap. Where'd you well, get no, that? no, no. That's, uh, that's a Japanese one. Oh, pardon that. That arrived. Where'd, um, you get, where'd you get that other one? The... Uh, the original one I had with the that came with the koozie and the the matches was from um, a local record store. So here's the really? the matches, the matchbook, and the the koozie. And yeah, they're giving that out. And plus a a, a, a mini poster. What well, that uh, version cost? Um, well, how much did that cost yeah. me? It was like thirty four bucks. Really? Yeah. Yes, the LP DVD one. Yeah. So similar to the one planning, I have. I was not planning on buying it, but when I saw that they were handing out some promotional items, uh, I said, oh, oh well, I'm going to go get it, even though I have one coming from Japan. You're a sucker just like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the only one who didn't hold up one. I did um, purchase the deluxe edition, which has the DVD, the Blu-ray, the acoustic CD, and the... Uh, Sorry, the uh, rest of the show on CD with the 60-page booklet, but that's sitting on the other side of the room, and I'm a fat bastard and can't be bothered to get up and go and get it. Uh, wow. I also I also got the, uh, <laughs> the U.S. vinyl edition, and that's also on the other side of the room, and I'm not going to go get that either. Um, 
because I'm not going to open it, so I've relied on people's pictures on the internet to see what the uh, gatefold looks like. And then I think I've got I bought the wrong version, and it's coming in from England tomorrow. I'd hope to get the European vinyl, but I think I'm ending up with another deluxe edition from Europe, which will probably be in PAL, which I can't watch here. So, yeah, read the freaking um, page before clicking order. Do you, do you want me to show what came in that thing before we get yeah, really going? Yeah, let's dig yeah. in because the Japanese put out a bunch of editions and the super duper ones, which are special order items on CD Japan, have a ton of really cool premiums in. So, Ken, why don't you walk us through what came in that package because it sounds really, okay. really interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I'm, I like it. It's a pretty cool package. Um, I, of course, I spent a good amount of money for it, but, you know... Um, uh, I'm I'm happy with it. So one of the first things, I guess, limited things are uh, with the package is a uh, hoodie, a zip-up hoodie. Okay, and here's the front of it. Right here it has some, and in the back, let me get this so you yeah. can see it. Here. That hoodie by itself was 80 bucks at the show. I mean, so keep that in mind too. Yeah. So that was the back. So, Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, and it fits. I came from Japan. Um, okay, so the other thing in it that was a, a ex, extra item that came with it was these uh, these masks. They're the toxic masks. Yeah, they're toxic. I guess. Yeah, if you put them on, they say don't put them on for more than fifteen minutes, or you know <laughs> your head will explode or something like that. I, you know, I, I was like, well, or it's permanently <laughs> tattooed or something. They'll turn into uh, Vincent. It said only only use it once. That's the other little thing that. Like know, a condom. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna use it. Gonna, oh come on! Put one I'm on. Make a condom. Put one on. Come on. Yeah. Do it for the <laughs> show. With, come on. Yeah, <laughs> put it on my ass. Totally. <laughs> totally a facial condom. <laughs> all right. So. <laughs> all right. So here's the box. So it, this is a nice box, and yeah. uh, I'm gonna. Let's see what it actually says. Kiss Rocks Vegas, but I'm going to... Here, I'll open this thing. It folds kind of, you know, like that. Open them. All right, so one of the things there in the box that came with is the book. Here's the... Except the that, hard, that's, that's its own book instead of being... Hard any, pound, any yeah, picture book. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. Has, you know, a lot of nice pictures in it, so it's it's cool. That's one thing. Next, we have, I think, uh, this is a kind of a, it's all in Japanese writing. It's explaining, I think, what's in. Like the insert, like a Japanese yeah. insert. Yeah, it's like the old the Japanese usual thing that you get. Type thing. No no lyrics, at least that I can tell. Of Bad, badly translated English? There. No English lyrics in here. <laughs> um, and then we have another booklet. This is a small booklet. There's a lot of pictures in there. Some of the same pictures that are in the uh, uh, on the, maybe those album shots on the you know sleeves of mm -hmm. the album. Uh, I don't know if maybe the CD booklet had a whole whole bunch of stuff too. But uh, yeah, that's a nice little that's cool. That's very booklet neat. too. And then you got your of course the vinyl. Here's the vinyl, um, and it comes in extra with the the extra uh, plastic, you know, the clear. Yep. 
polyvinyl and vinyl protector. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. The two of those. I, I think, think these... though, uh, Ken. Yes, sir. I, th- I, th- I think it's important though that you kind of mention what you mentioned earlier to us about it being probably a regular. Oh um, yeah. Grand yeah, pressing. I noticed. Yeah, I noticed. Oh, I didn't notice this all of a sudden. Um, uh, the the vinyl seems. I have the U.S. version of the vinyl, which is 140 gram, um, and the vinyl for Japan seems a little bit lighter. So I think it's a standard. The old standard weight. Well, I guess 120, like yeah. Mark says, uh, weight. Okay. Um, and then we got the inside. Is here's the nice. There. Now the thing is, I didn't pick this up. This is this part is actually like a. It was sitting in there, cardboard, you know, that has the CDs on it, you know. So it has the. Uh, well, first we got the the Blu-ray. And three CDs, CD one, half the show, CD two, the other half the show, and then the CD three is the uh, acoustic, all the acoustic uh, unplugged stuff. And those all have different CD prints to the uh, other, ver- the U.S. version. The U.S. version, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah that, that's one thing that bugs me. Yeah. Why, why on earth would you split such a short show <laughs> onto two CDs? Yeah, why is it on two? Yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. So, that destroys. So I didn't. Yeah, I didn't notice underneath that where the CDs were that, you know, I, I just lifted it up. So it has pictures in the background, uh, both sides of this box. So. Oh, very nice. The scaffold box. So, it's, so well, that's that's it. I mean, it's, I don't know. I like it. <laughs> so let's just talk about packaging quickly, guys, on, on each version that you guys got. Happy with the packaging? I, I'm, I'll jump in immediately and say I love the front cover picture until um, I actually saw someone post one on Facebook of an alternative shot and his blue what was used as the cover away. It was pretty much the same dynamic, the same sort of sequence, but just a better saturation of fire. Unfortunately, Tommy wasn't in the frame, so they would have had to Photoshop him in, but Matt's, who took the, the photo, absolutely stunning. I, I thought the packaging was great on the deluxe edition with the, the four discs. Two on the front, two on the back, and the booklet. Excellent, Lonnie. On yours. Yeah, the uh, I got the deluxe edition on the way, so I had to I had to do some uh, um some pleading to order the deluxe version also. But you guys know how that goes. So I have the standard right now, and uh, I like it. It's I like the fact too, and we talked about this before to can't it come out that. You know, I want a version that I could line up with my other Kiss CDs. You know what I mean? Being, you know, a a completionist, you know, that's important to me that I can still line them up in sequential order. So I wanted to get this one no matter what anyway. Um, So it's cool. You know, it's a kind of version Julian really likes. It can get beat up in that because it's not in a jewel case. (laughs) Julian really likes the Digipack, so here it is. And it opens up. And it has the, the CD and the Blu-ray and the the packaging is really great and it has the booklet in there. I would you know I'd, I would assume that the booklet that comes with like the deluxe edition, like I said, I haven't gotten mine yet, but um, is just like an expanded version of this booklet is from what I've seen online anyway. So that that looks like a small version of the the big one. 
that big uh, booklet that I right. Showed. That's what I'm thinking. It's just like a, a condensed version of it. it looks like yeah. a you know, it looks like a tour book basically. From the, the mm-hmm. photos inside, look like photos that would be included in a tour book more than anything else, in my opinion. Um, but it, it's it's really it's I think for for a CD DVD package, I I don't think you can get much of a of a nicer package as far as that goes, especially with the way CDs are most CDs are just cheaply packaged today because you know just people just don't buy them. So. Uh, I was really happy with it. It looks really nice. It, you know, it, like I said, it was important to me that I can get some, get at least one version that fits in with my other uh, Kiss CD. So I was really happy with it. It's it's first class all the way. Cool, Mark. What about you? Well, I got the uh, as I was showing earlier. I got the vinyl version, right? And uh, it's like the one I'm sure everybody else is already familiar with the the triple opening thing. I love it. Much to everyone's surprise from my history on this show about me constantly, <laughs> constantly knocking everything about it. Kiss. But I'll, I'm going to say this. I really like this. I, I, I think they did a great job. Um, I'm going to give thumbs down, though, to, to my local HMV who suck because they... Uh, my word. <laughs> I, went to go, I, I ordered this from, from Amazon. They, or, they delivered it to me on a Sunday, which I was totally shocked because mail never gets delivered here on Sundays. But it came to me. I was happy and I was going to go get the Blu-ray because I love Blu-rays and I always go and grab those. And I go to, the, to my HMV and I looked at them and said, do you have the Blu-ray version of uh, Kiss Rocks uh, Vegas? And they're like, uh, we did, but we don't have any more. I go, how many did you order? Uh, two. They had ordered a grand total of two yeah. for the store. So I'm like, okay, you guys are idiots. So I'm going to have to order it now separately but my only reason why i wanted to buy the blu-ray besides the fact that i like blu-ray is that my only only qualm with this packaging is where this dvd is in here it's right in the middle like right in the middle there's like like a little holder thingy right in that middle there now it's cool i'm not going to say it's a bad design but you know when i take it out you know, when I'm done watching it, I have to put it back in there and go downstairs and put it into my... I don't want... It's such a hassle. Like, And I don't want to leave the DVD out just laying on the table. I want I want an actual physical... At least a cardboard sleeve or something if they would have did something that you could, you know, keep it in and then put that cardboard sleeve in the little slot there. I think it would have been a better idea to just have just, just a DVD in there. Now what am I going to do with that? I think the vinyl out... You know, I think that's the only oversight they did but the rest of it is a-okay primo to me god damn it they're so inconsiderate bastards <laughs> really as, inconvenience as for H- hmv i miss hmv we used to have one in san francisco or was it virgin no it was virgin okay whatever okay virgin yeah okay let's start with uh unplugged that section if, um, while we we talk about the music, I, I think one of the things I've noticed listening to it a few more times during the the week is the sonic fidelity is obviously not quite what was um, done for the recording of MTV Unplugged in 1996, and nor is it supposed to be 1995 for those who just want to right. be absolutely precise. But it was released in '96 or something like that. Whatever. Um, so you know, it it really gives you. And and I said this uh, on the other on the podcast episode. You know, it really makes you feel like you were there because it's not glorified in any way. It's straightforward. What are you guys' take on the acoustics 
the acoustic section, which is, I guess, the bonus on the DVD and only comes as a CD for the, uh, certain editions. Lonnie? I liked it. You know, it, it's like you said, it's really kind of casual as opposed to watching, you know, MTV Unplugged. Like you said, it kind of gives you a feeling that you're in the audience almost with the band. Um, as far as song selection goes, you know, those have really become almost as predictable. And I'm, I don't want to turn this into a setless conversation, but those uh, acoustic sets before the show really become almost as predictable as the setlist itself with Coming Home and Plaster Caster and Beth and Going Blind and Christine 16. You know, they were originally um, set up to be like, oh, we'll play whatever you, we'll pl- do like, just take requests and we'll play whatever you want. Yeah, but, you know, but what I, oh, someone say Christine 16? Okay, yeah, Christine 16. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's really become almost predictable as a set, like I said, but it's it was it's filmed very well, giving you like a feeling like you're there, is and it's not it's not as crisp and it's as MTV unplugged, but it's not so like you said it's not supposed to be as crisp as MTV unplugged. It's supposed to give you like the impromptu type feeling, um, whereas MTV unplugged is really you know a, you know a, more of a I don't want to say it was more of a planned out set list because I think this one was very planned out as well, but. Um, just to kind of give you more of a casual feeling, I guess. Yeah, and so, I, one, one of the cool things is, I guess, that you get Hard Luck Woman, Christine 16, and Lover All I Can, which weren't on the original. Songs that weren't on there. Yeah. Correct. And you get Eric singing Beth. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can, that, that's another show, though. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's cool. It's, you know, I ha- like I said, I haven't gotten my deluxe version yet, and... I'm anxious. To, I'm anxious to get that to have it on CD as well, just for the audio. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, how often am I going to go back and listen just to that audio? Probably not more than a couple times after I get it. In all honesty, because I don't want to hear acoustic kiss. I'm not going to say, oh, let's let's listen to that acoustic set from Vegas. Well, no, I'm going to go listen to Kiss MTV Unplugged. But I haven't gotten it yet, so I can't really say that. But more than likely, I can. Just knowing myself, I know myself and my habits. So, Mark, what about before, you guys? before I go to you, Mark, I just want to mention that uh, the acoustic set list on the meet and greet the other night was Coming Home, Going Blind, Hide Your Heart, Christine 16, uh, Got to Choose, you. and Beth. So that was uh, what was done at the meet and greet in Erie, Pennsylvania. So, Mark, what's your take on the acoustic set? Well, um, I, I liked it. There's two things that were kind of a very important to me about watching this that i noticed number one is that uh i i don't think i can recall seeing paul stanley so jovial and happy on a recording as i did in that and it kind of rings to me that i think right now the band is at its most stable that it's ever been as far as a lineup goes and i mean this is something important to point out because people always say oh why don't they bring this guy back or that guy back that video there should be a total evidence to you people why they're not going to ever bring those guys back because they're having fun, they're having a good time, they like being in each other's company, and you can tell it when they're doing this kind of an acoustic set, right? And I mean, Eric and and Tommy have more than cemented their place in this band now. They're excellent. They're very good live in every capacity, electric, acoustic, you know, interviews. They do their job well. They're they're here permanently deal with it they're here okay um but one thing that i did notice that's a bit different about the uh the, um, the mtv version is that uh i noticed amplifiers again which is a no-no usually an acoustic 
performances, I noticed a little Marshall amps there. And if you notice, on a couple of songs, namely Christine 16 and uh, Love Roll I Can, he threw on some distortion on his acoustic guitar there a little bit on the solos. Uh, 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 you're not supposed to do that on acoustic guitar performances. And another thing that I think was happening was, see this? This is violated D- Mark's rules. This is, a D- <laughs> this, is, this is an amp. This is an Ampeg DI box, which is used for a bass guitar. You plug your bass into this, and you get an XLR out, and it goes straight to the mixing board, and it replicates the sign, the sound of an Ampeg, like stack, a bass amp. Right now, that I have no problem with having because you know you can you can it's not it's not like he's you know using an amplifier. This is like a a mock amplifier. And for for Gene, I mean you know in these situations it's hard to mic a bass and get it sound good. So I understand doing that. But you know acoustic guitars are pretty bright. They have microphones. You know why they needed to use Marshall amps for this I don't know. It didn't sound terrible or nothing. I think overall they played well. You know, also, it's important to note that I think Paul Stanley's singing is really good on this. I think he's found his range now, knows what he can and can't do, and he's starting to perform really well because of that. You know, and keep in mind, too, this is 2012. So it's not like this is now. Like, this is back then. He, Or, sorry, yeah, 2014, sorry. And uh, he, this is before now, obviously. So even back then, he, he, I think he was starting to figure things out a bit for performance-wise, right? So, but, you know, overall, I don't have a problem with it. The, the set list didn't bug me. It's just, what you know, it was asked once before, what songs do we think work and don't work for Unplugged? For me, songs like Christine 16, I think, don't work just for the fact that it, it needs a little bit of a distorted sound. And that's why I think they slapped on some of these overdriven tones on Tommy's acoustic guitar, because it kind of sounds odd doing these, some of the lines, simply acoustic. Right. I think that's and they were doing that back in the convention days, too. I think I brought that up a long time ago, too, that they were doing those kind of things. But other than that, I think the performance was good. I was happy with it. And, you know, I I don't really have too much of a problem with it other than what I just brought up. So I'll answer your question. Why did they have Marshall amps? Because they're Kiss. Yeah, for okay, but for acoustic, you know, a little bit of amplification. Let, let's talk musically. A little bit of amplification makes the performance a bit more forgiving on your fretting, so mm-hmm. you can be a little bit more, shall we say, fluid for a polite way of saying yeah. lazy or messy, and you get away with it more with amplification than you would with the pure tonality of a, a pure acoustic set, you know. Yeah, so but I. But I keep referring back to MTV Unplugged. They didn't do it then. They didn't have to do it then. And look at how great that turned out. Well, yeah, that's yeah. MTV rules. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that's a gold standard. But I think for a lot of that, you also, you know, had Bruce. So, you know, di- different sort Just of... shout out to Tommy from out of nowhere. No, not by any means. And I, I, I hope no one I takes just, it that way because... Um, you know, Tommy's a different sort of guitarist than Bruce is, you know, and Bruce is so incredibly precise. That You know I... what, though? Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but just before I forget, speaking of pot shot at Tommy, if anybody caught Podcast Rock City this week, they had they had uh, Bruce Kulik on the show, yeah, and he actually yeah. he actually did a pot shot at Tommy on the air, where he mentioned that they were talking about guitar solos, and he said that to this day, Tommy Thayer still doesn't play the solo for forever correctly, and that he knows where I live, and he should come and you know let me show him how to do it properly. 
So I thought that was interesting that he kind of, you know, threw a yeah. little grenade at him. There, you, you, the back and forth would just be too easy that Tommy could just sit there and say, well, I'm playing on with on Kiss's stage tonight. I'll play it how I want to. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing on Kiss's stage tonight. Where's Grand Funk playing tonight? <laughs> yeah, so, oh you, know, you know, Bruce is a classy guy, and, and, and I know that wasn't really meant as a dig just an observation because Bruce doesn't really get into yeah. any of that sort of drama that surrounds a lot of the interaction between members past and present. Uh, Ken, let's go straight over to you. Yeah. So the, the, the acoustic performance is better than I was expecting. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it really. Cause after seeing those things on YouTube, you know, it's quite a difference from those things uh, we see. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed the whole thing. Um, uh, it left me wanting more. So, you know, in your questions before, you know, we've talked about, Julian, you've talked about uh, Unplugged 2 mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, boy, they should. I would love to hear them do that, you know. And again, you know, no pun intended, but Kiss is missing the boat on the Kiss Cruise performances. Um you know, where they're, you know, doing that acoustic show there, Sail Away show, and they could be, they pro- I'm sure they've recorded it all. Um, put it out. Put it out in a nice package. Same company. Kiss Cruise. Oh. The best of the Kiss Cruise oh, or don't. whatever. You had, oh to, you had to go there because that's just going to set off a tangent that there should have been a Kiss Cruise yeah. 1 DVD. You, know, you just hijacked it, the whole episode. It, if they were broadcasting <laughs> that throughout the ship to the viewing deck, you know. That, there was obviously should, video of it. The, it should have been released, Kiss Cruise 2. I mean, just imagine there are 3,000 people getting off that boat. Here's your commemorative you know your your gold one owned will oh. sell will sell it to everyone yeah. else as well. You know, oh my god. You know, well, they just... still have to sell it to the people on the cruise too. They just wouldn't hand them out. Come on. <laughs> well, you, you never but... know. They did hand out that twelve inch single last time, so. That's true. Sorry, guys. Yeah, continue. Time. But it is kiss at the end of the day, though. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the uh, so the acoustic stuff. Uh, again, again, I love it. Um, I liked. Uh, I'm glad they did going blind because i always love that acoustic every time i hear it you know from the unplugged any any unplugged performance of that is is always good for me so let's get into the main show and obviously i've already kind of said on the on the podcast that it was a great show for me to be able to relive something that i was mm-hmm. fortunate enough to participate in i feel the same way when i see the dodger stadium show on kissology because obviously any show that you're there that gets an official release even though i wasn't at this particular show as a you know the the first one of the uh the vegas shows you know you feel a part of it in a special way um even if you don't get to see yourself on video so that's my overall impression is that i was there i'm getting to relive it and i'm i'm judging this by my perceptions that night and this is pretty damn close yeah and in some ways far superior to having been there um, the little enhancements that they have made have made the whole experience of viewing the proper Vegas show more pleasurable in many ways. And the definition in which it's shot, you're getting to see many details that you don't see from your position on the floor, or maybe if you had a seat up on one of the balcony levels. You know, it, it really does pull you in. I was watching the Blu-ray today, first time I, I put the Blu-ray in because I was watching the iTunes version prior to that, and it's just stunningly appealing. 
the colors are vibrant. They did a fantastic job with the staging. The lasers and all that are just in incredible. And it looks and feels better than it did in person for me that night. What's your impression of the show visually? I guess your overall opinion of that. And then we'll get a, li get a little bit more specific. Ken, straight back to you on there. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I, you know, I wasn't in Vegas, so I didn't have that experience like you. But uh, I did go to the movie showing mm. of it and uh and that was kind of like being there in concert um on the big screen is it it you know pretty good pretty cool but when i was watching that i remember the 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 picture quality just didn't see seem hd to me it just seemed a little blurry right mm -hmm. in the movie theater um so the way it was filmed i guess um so now i had the dvd first with the the lp so i had watched some of that and you know it's it was better quality than the movie uh theater version but then i put on the blu-ray today and that's even i mean that that's is stunning that is that's that looks better over the dvd and uh i was like wow that's really really you know good picture i mean it's the best quality i would say concert dvd of that's kiss you know kiss has ever done um you know even you know it's better than all the the was it uh, symphony and the rock the nation and that stuff uh it's, it's it kills that stuff so yeah uh i thoroughly enjoyed the the whole staging the way they shot it the the colors like you said are so vibrant and um it just looks great on a big tv so Lottie, how about you yeah i have to agree with you i was at I went to Vegas and went to two of the shows out there, and that was one of the ways I was able to convince my wife that we need to get the bonus, the Amazon version. It's like, oh, it's a good souvenir from us going out there. So, you know, it was a few months after we got married, you know, it's really be okay, fine, just get it and shut up. So, yeah, more, 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 than, more than anything, I think it was just get it so you stop pestering me about it, yep. trying to justify your cause. So, um I because uh, you know because you know yet you, you already have it you already have to have two versions of it. Well, you know. Anyway, I um, <laughs> I enjoyed it because it, like Julian said, it's a it's a good souvenir from being out there, and it's a good memory of that of those shows that I saw out there because you know it because they were so unique seeing them in that type of venue with Kiss fans all you know just really hardcore Kiss fans in my opinion out there. Almost like you, almost to the extent like you would see on a cruise, you know. Granted, there were several uh, people seeing there for the first time. Paul did his standard, who's seen this for the first time, you know. And people, you know, raise their hand. But so, you know, there were a lot of hardcore Kiss fans there, which was really cool to be around and just, you know, hang out with before the show, hang out with after the show, and just, you know, and just chat about the van. But like you were saying about the Blu-ray, Ken, it literally like leaps off the screen at you. It those it is so the picture quality is so vibrant that it is almost like I was saying, it's like a souvenir. It is almost like being there. Um, it's so crisp. And I agree with you too. I went and saw it in the theater and there were several frames and several images. Like they go to like the whole screenshot in the theater and it, and it just didn't look as crisp as some of the other shots. I'm like, how did they shoot this? It just, it just, I guess it just didn't hold up well as well in the theater as it does on, on your Blu-ray or even on your, big screen television at home it just leaps off my screen on my tv it's just absolutely yeah. fantastic the way it's shot and 
like Julian was saying too about the details of it. It's really like you're on. Not only do you feel like you're up close, like almost like you're almost like on stage with them. The, the picture quality is so in, insanely good. So it's it's a really fun thing to watch. I've watched it a couple times already, and you know it's 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 a great souvenir just sitting there watching it. So I can't say enough good things about it. One thing I'll say is that watching Gene's Got a Thunder, blood drooling, fly to the rafters in high definition was freaking cool. I, I, I've been front row and seen it, but it was just so cool to see that on the Blu-ray and just the the, the resolution of that. Mark, what's your take on how it looked and uh, I guess the overall quality of the show video-wise? Well, I really, I really liked it. I mean, honestly, I... I'd have a tendency of always trying to not trying to find little things to complain about, but it just seems to happen for some reason. But something always seems to stick out for some reason. But honestly, it grinds your gears for some reason. Yeah, but but honestly, I think this show was excellent. I mean, the the filming of it was really well done. I think they more importantly, I think that they started listening to some of the fans where they were saying, you know, some of the edits were too quick in the past ones. I think they really toned that down and made it a much more enjoyable watch overall in that sense Mm -hmm. um i think uh some of the angles were really excellent that they did for some of this stuff like when they did gene's fire breathing and stuff like that there was some really great angles that they used for stuff like that um the the pyro in detroit rock city was just unbelievable at the beginning i for some reason when i it kind of took me by surprise i mean i did see it at the theater and i guess the difference from the theater much like Ken, I wasn't really over overwhelmed too much with the theater version of it because, again, it was kind of grainy as well when I saw it there. And more importantly, I'm really an audio kind of guy. And the, the audio at these theaters, these guys who are running it, I sometimes imagine, like, you know, the 17-year-old kid on the summer holidays doing his job as a projectionist there and he's just setting these audio things just so wrong on some of these things it's it farts a lot and it just sounded really odd in the theater when i saw it but at home you know you have your stereo set the way you like and everything and i was listening to it here was just phenomenal i mean you know i set all my things to how i like it and you know set it for high definition audio and stuff like that and it really they did a great job with this i i can't say enough good things this time about a kiss release they really did something good here this time and more importantly for me i found that there was a vibe with this show that that was missing in some of the other ones like it almost makes me think back to like kobo hall and stuff like that when i first watched those shows on video i was like wow there's a feeling and a a vibe to it and i think they captured that in this show it when you watch it it's something you can't put your finger on specifically what it is that makes it so cool but just everything about it really emanates a really great viewing experience for me the sound of it is really great i i can't you know say enough good things about you know tommy thayer who was producer i think of this overall and uh, i think greg collins uh was the one who did the audio mixing on it i think for this so you know hats off to him he did a really good job on that this time and my only little thing that i just wanted to point out was gene's bass tone it's it's good it's there but sometimes i found it got just a little buried there's if they would have just gave him just a hair more mid-range in his bass sound it would have been excellent it's still great don't get me wrong just just a little thing 
And sometimes I found that Eric's backing vocals was a little quiet in the mix. I would have loved him to be a little louder in the mix. And that's it, really. I mean, other than that, I think everything about it was excellent. I loved Black Diamond, how he was out on that walkway there with the disco ball. And it's just the, the feeling I got watching this is something that I hadn't had in a long, long time watching a Kiss you know, concert. And I hats off to them. This is going to be probably my go-to video now for the next little while. And Stewie, stop getting in my face here. So, <laughs> you know, so other than that, uh, yeah, I have nothing bad to say about this. This is a great, you know, concert experience, and I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah you know what? I was just thinking, sorry, Julian. Um, you know, if you compare this to the, you know, that Zurich, uh, Zurich, Zurich's uh, yeah, Switzerland. Yeah. One that they had on TV, it was like on Axis television, oh. that one. What a difference. I mean, what a difference between that, even with even though I had like a you know, spider stage, um, it's, it's just, it blows that one, that performance out of the water completely. Oh, by, I, by far. I mean, you'd have to go to Rock Amring to get those nice fisheye lens, yeah, you know, up yeah. angles. I mean, I, I, I said on the podcast, one of the scenes that really, you know, I thought was stunning was when Gene's done with his fire breathing. He's just sitting there, arms, you know, and the camera's looking yeah. up at him fisheye. And, you know, it, it, it's just so visually appealing. Absolutely. That, exactly. that one that was on Access a few years ago, it's almost unwatchable. Um, yeah. It was really bad. And and you talk about, Mark talked about how there's a certain vibe to it. That one really seemed like they were just going through the motions that night. And exactly. it, you know, just really, and it felt like the whole set list just kind of plotted along. And it was just like, wow. <laughs> like, almost, like it was, it, maybe it's time to call it a day. But when you watch this, it it really gets you fired up watching it. Really, you know, it makes it makes you want to go see them, and makes you want it makes you want to watch it again, just watching it one time. So, um, there maybe something happened in the band between. I mean, obviously there wasn't a personnel change or anything like that, but maybe something sparked within them. I think between that 2000, I guess it was 13, with that show as you were talking about that was on Access, and that happened in late 14. But, you know, obviously there wasn't an album that came out or anything like that. But some, yeah. you could definitely yeah. tell a different change of attitude or some kind oh, of spark yeah. within the band from that from that performance just a year or so earlier. Mm-hmm. If I could if I could guess about that, I would think that there was a few things that was maybe bothering them. I mean, number one, I heard that there was lots of technical issues with that whole spider stage, number one. I mean, that could have probably been looming in their head. Is it going to work tonight? Are we going to get stuck? What's going to happen? You know what I mean? But this thing, so that never puts you in a good frame of mind in a concert setting. Number two, I mean, Paul was getting real heat during this part of the tour for his vocals. I mean, that must not have been keeping him in a good frame of mind either. So I'm guessing that about now or around the time of this, maybe things started getting more worked out, more smoothened out. They were happy with things. Paul was figuring out things. So the whole mindset, I think, of the band was much better. I think back then, there were so many things up in the air and so many things to worry about. It probably showed and not show. Yeah, yeah it, it was a challenge without a doubt, but I'd forgotten all about that Axis show. And that is... It's that easy to just, forget. Yeah, no, that, that is just something that you do want to forget. It was dreadful. I mean, it was also like that one that they streamed the U.S. show around the same time that got streamed live Charlotte, I think, or something. You know, it mm. just dreadful. Did not work. There was like no... There was, like Mark said, no vibe 
going with the band. But he said something about the instruments, and that was one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on. We'll get into you know songs that we think they nailed and whatnot. One thing I noticed on this is that the separation of sound is really good. The definition, and I was mm-hmm. I loved actually. I'm not a big fan of Psycho Circus the song. I thoroughly enjoyed this performance. I got to hear Gene's bass and hear his bass runs in that song. And I was like, oh, that's really groovy. You know, I was kind of focusing in on that. I was able to. And there's a couple of songs on there that you really get to hear Gene working. And he's a better bassist, I think, than he gives himself credit for. He's solid. He just, he does his thing. You know, is he a creative bassist? No. He's a good meat and potatoes sort of guy. And he just is solid in the background. I mean, he's like Malcolm Young with a bass. He does exactly what he's supposed to with his bass lines so that Paul and Tommy can do their thing. So I was really impressed with that. Excuse me, got itch. And, you know, it, it really made, it felt like new discovery, really. It made me appreciate Gene's performance and what he does and what he contributes musically more than just the tongue-flicking monster. He's actually doing something up there with that axe rather than, you know, not doing anything. So that was kind of weird. Let's get into, you know, what do you think they really nail in this set list? You know, what are you, what are the songs that you think they, they really bring that, that you know... Like what? Like what I said. Again. <laughs> um, well, I think they nailed pretty good. Our uh, well, Parasite. I thought that was really great performance of that one. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, like I said, Psycho Circus. That was really good too. On that, I still, I still never. Creatures of the Night just doesn't work uh, to me as far as the vocals that I'm used to live from the good old days <laughs> mm. when he used to be able to really pump, you know, pump out his vocal on that one. So that one just doesn't, it's okay. You know, it's good, you know, definitely musically it's, it's fantastic. Um, otherwise let's see what else, uh, even hell or hallelujah. Um, you know, that, that rocks pretty darn good. And, uh, it's, it's become a classic, a kiss classic now. I think it's been enough years, and it is a it is a classic let's in not, my mind. Let's not let's not go down that. In my mind, it is. I, I I like it. I don't know. I like the song, um, and of course, always Black Diamond. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty much my favorite Kiss song, anyway. So, um, and it's it was done well as usual with uh, the vocals of, you know, Eric Singer on that one. Uh, yeah, so those are the, I, I think those would be the ones that stand out for me. Yeah, I'm totally with you on Parasite now. I, I don't know if I was all the way there at the weekend, but after watching and listening a few more times, that one is jumping out at me every time I listen to this show. It is absolutely a fantastic performance, I think. Um, also, I would agree with you on Black Diamond. Absolutely fantastic. Um, one thing I am going to criticize is Creatures of the Night. And it, it all comes down to Tommy Solo on there. He is not—he's not capturing, and I—and I don't—and I don't know why. I mean, I see what he's doing, I see what he's trying to do, and it's just not coming across for me. So um, I don't get it. I'm also thrilled with "Tears Are Falling." I like how that translates now into the way Paul sings it. But uh, you know, Mark. 
<laughs> oh, sorry. I had an itch on my nose there uh, for a minute. Sorry. It looked like you had a See, lemon now, up now, your now, nose. Now, now, before you go, Mark, remember, it's songs you liked, but not songs you didn't like. Yes. <laughs> oh, is it my turn? Okay. Um, honestly, um, I, I liked pretty much the whole thing. I mean, right from the very beginning, I thought Detroit Rock City was fantastic. Um, Creatures, I agree with you guys. I have a bit of issue with the number one. It really seems drop-tuned, like noticeably drop-tuned than the original. And I'm Julian's mentioning that, you know, the solo is far from anything distinguishable mm. from the original, which is true, but I have two words to say why. Whammy bar. There's no whammy bar on his guitar. Bruce Kulick, when he played it on a live three, it was fantastic why he had a whammy bar. And so did Vinnie Vincent when he did it. And that's what's missing in it. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, Tommy must own a guitar like that. And maybe it's yeah. his, his one-sided ace, you know, tendencies that make him not want to use it. But, you know, I think that if he did, it would be much better. And Parasite incredible i i love it it was a it's great um like i said like black diamond is great uh, like everything on this show i think they performed really really well even a song like god of thunder which i had so checked out on long time ago i really thought they did it well it was heavy it came out well i mean that has also everything to do with the fact that the audio was so well done whether it was in its digital 96k 24-bit format that's on for blu-ray and for dvd or whether it's the very well version that they did and mastered for vinyl which vinyl i thought it turned out really good too i i mean with vinyl i just found you had to crank the 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 album a bit loud on your stereo to get the real good experience on it but you know obviously digital Digital medium is going to give you the more clarity. It's going to give you the more accurate reproduction. I love vinyl. Vinyl still has the warmth to it, but you know, that's that's for another segment as well. But the show, the the songs are are really good. The and the only song besides Creatures that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and for a similar reason, was Tears Are Falling. I mean, I found that that song also seemed a little down in pitch and i understand why i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that paul has to have a range to sing it obviously but i am just so used to that version you know that they do when they have that little whammy bar tap thing that they do in the choruses when they do the little thing with the bar there and it's missing and every time i hear it and it's not there, it just bugs me. Call me, you know, a nitpicking guitarist or whatever, but the fact that that's not there just makes me want to go, oh. I feel like, like I'm on. taking crazy pills or something. Exactly, you know, what's going on? <laughs> what's wrong with this world, you know? You know, I just, I don't know. To me, it just seems like such a minor thing to do to fix that. You know, just give Tommy a guitar for one or two songs with a whammy bar on it, and all's good. And oh, that's you, it, you, know, you know? You know what? So, I'm just, so I'm just thinking now. Of- a, a, get someone send Tommy a Washburn AF40. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Mark's putting in his application to be Tommy's new guitar tech. Uh, yeah. uh, I'd, I'd, I'd set him up, no problem. No problem. Use but this I mean, guitar. Here's <laughs> a whammy I mean, other than, But other than that, I think he did a great job. I mean, he, I think he played the songs well. Him and, him and Paul together have a good rapport on stage now. And, and mm-hmm. you can really tell that Paul is leaning on Tommy now and he's enjoying it. It seems because, you know, now he goes and he can do all these 
you know, guitar between the legs and all those classic things that he was doing before and not feel worried that, you know, someone's going to blunder it and leave him hanging. Like, you know, back in the time when they were having trouble again with Ace and that, he probably was more worried about getting through a show and tapping his feet and keeping everybody together and couldn't really focus as much on all his little fun things that he was doing. Even in the acoustic set, I clearly saw Paul stop playing for a section of a song and just, you know, grimace to the crowd and do stuff because he knew that Tommy was going to cover for him. Mm -hmm. And that's what a good complimentary guitar player does. It's like KK and Glenn Tipton. It's like, you know, John Lennon and George Harrison. They know how to fill in each other's roles and to help each other out live. And that's exactly what Tommy and Paul are like now. Yeah, it's not just a lead guitarist, it's a guitarist. He's doing lead, he's topping in on rhythm where needed, he's doing whatever is required, and, and he's doing a fantastic job. I mean, one thing I did notice with Tommy is his, you know, his, he's confident and competent. He's just there. I mean, he's rock solid as a player. Everyone can have an opinion on whether he's, you know, nailing Ace's tone or whether he's robotic or whatever, you know, depending on your level. But he's just there. He's just doing it. He brings it to the show. And he, he's got Paul's back. So that makes him, you know, incredibly important to the band. And, and you know, and this this whole show, this whole Kiss Rocks Vegas thing, I, I think is turning a lot of people into fanboys because we're all, I think, appreciating so many of the positives in the show and in the package and in, in the whole thing rather than nitpicking, um, you know, the, the little meaningless things. And, and it's really refreshing. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's a fair technical appraisal of, you know, a performance trait. So, you know, that's, that's not that's not. It is minor. I, 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 do, I agree it is minor, but I mean, I mean, from a guitar player's perspective, it's just one of those things that you notice. It's like if, if, if Andrew Scambati was on here, and you were to talk to him about maybe some of the drum playing on there, maybe he might find a drum fill that Eric missed or something, and he would bring it up. It's not that it's bad, it's just that because we're so used to the songs and the performances, it just jumps out at us when we hear it. And it's not just Kiss, it's with Rush, with Genesis, with any band I listen to, it's like that, unfortunately. Man, you must be fun at parties. He's <laughs> <laughs> a delight. <laughs> Come, hey Mark, come over and watch the song remains the same. Oh wait, yeah, no, and, and that's that really why, bugs me. And that's why your contributions are so excellent for the show, Mark, because you do bring the musicians' ear to, to the stuff. So, Lonnie, did you do your favorite songs? And if not, I did not. I did not. Do, um, do and yours, to... and then I want you to lead us into the misfire songs that you think they. Mark already did this. Yeah, so... <laughs> he's done. Um. My fit, my standouts. Um, I'm gonna agree with you guys on Parasite. Um, I can't get enough of that right now. Um, I almost put the CD in in my car and just go to that right now. I'm just like, I'm hooked on that. Like, I've always loved that song, but it's like re-energized me in that song. You just can't get enough of it right now. That and and War Machine. I thought I think you guys didn't mention War Machine, but I thought War Machine sounded really good on there, and it's excellent to have an official live version of that song by this lineup because they've played it they've i want to say they've played it to death but they've played it quite a bit since this version of the band proper has come into existence in 2004 they've really really played this quite a bit going back to rock the nation um so it's really become a standard with this lineup but and and black diamond as well um i think the band tommy solos and eric's vocals and 
the whole song just sounds phenomenal. Um, I, I, it's right up there with, and maybe it's blasphemy, but it, it's almost right up there with, with the Alive version to me. It really just sounds crisp and precise and really stands out to me. And it's a standout song on a standout CD or Blu-ray, for that matter. It It's a standout of the standout. So those three songs for me um, really, really stand out. As far as the songs that might fall short, in my opinion, I am going to agree with you on Creatures of the Night. As much as I was excited to go out to Vegas and knowing that Creatures was in the set list and... Um, I think before they before they did the Vegas shows, they did like two shows in Mexico or a show in Mexico, and then they did the cruise, and then they went to Vegas, and they started playing Creatures at the one of those Mexican shows before the cruise, and I was I was just like oh just keep that in the set list, just keep that in the set list for when I go to Vegas because I, I want to hear that live, I want to hear that live, I haven't heard that live ever because I haven't played it live in an electric setting since '92, so um, going out there and seeing it. It was my it was my favorite song that night seeing it. But when I listen to it now and I'm not stuck in just fanboy mode, like, oh my god, they're playing Creatures of the Night. Like, can you believe this, honey? They're playing Creatures of the Night. You're like, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but listening to it now, it's like, oh, it does as much as it pains me, it does fall a little short of the mark for me, especially in the solo mark. So I much as I give you trouble, I do agree with you on that. Um, <laughs> just give each other. And if we weren't friends, we wouldn't razz each other. We'd just sit there and not comment on each other, as I say. Exactly. So it, that does fall short for me, unfortunately. And I'm going to disagree with you guys. You guys said God of Thunder, but God of Thunder, and maybe, and maybe it's just me, but I'm just, I'm just burnt out on God of Thunder a little bit. And for me, as much as the blood drilling beforehand is really cool to watch on the Blu-ray and really just makes you feel like you're in the front row, maybe even better than the front row. The song itself, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like I'm going through the motions when I listen to that song at this point. And one more would be, because it's in the same category, and that's I Love It Loud, because I just feel like I'm... I'm going through maybe and maybe maybe it's not the song or the performance and maybe it's just me that I feel like I'm going through the motions when I listen to this ver especially I love it loud even more than God of Thunder when I hear this version of the band play I love it loud because like War Machine they've played it to death and they've played it every night since this version of the band's inception and it's just like all right I get it but and not not that they're bad songs those two in particular. Um, I love it loud and God of Thunder. I, I just feel like I'm burnt out on this version of the band playing those songs. And not that I want to turn this into a setless thing, but Creatures of the Night for me, I guess if there's one that really falls short, it's Creatures just because I was so hyped up on it and I was excited to get this package because I wanted to hear Creatures and it, unfortunately it falls short of the mark for me. So we're going to go into the set list anyway, and I, I don't want to go through all 16 songs, but when we look at this set list, we look at what they're doing now on the Freedom to Rock tour, do you think they finally made the case, or they've listened to the fans enough that it's basically 14 classics and a couple of medium or deeper cuts that are kind of the bone that they're lobbing out there to the people like me? Uh, and the guys who do podcasts who complain vocally 
about the set being stale. And I, I think the set, this set is absolutely brilliant in that it does marry all those classic songs with Creatures of the Night, Tears Are Falling, and in this case, Hell or Hallelujah Parasite. as well for that. And Parasite. And Parasite, and Parasite too, you know. And, and what like you know, just, just like what they're doing now with Flaming Youth being that one key cut, you know, do you think the overall set list is <clears throat> is, is a winner, you know, for a 16-song format, Mark? Well, like I said, I didn't really have too much uh, trouble with it this time. I mean, like I said, I think a lot of it has to do with what I kind of mentioned before, is that if they're firing well on all cylinders, and if they have a good vibe on stage together and the vibe translates into the music. I think that the there's that the set list like this can be done and be enjoyed very much. I mean, like I said, for those things that we kind of just brought out, like the creatures and the tears are falling or the, or the God of thunders. I mean, that's minor in the grand scheme of it. I mean, that's one song or two song out of 16, right? I mean, there's been times where I'm sure we complain a hell of a lot more about set lists than just one or two songs. But, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, I think at this point they're trying, they, they've probably figured out what works for them and what doesn't more specifically for Paul, because I mean, if you're looking at it now, they are trying to space out the songs a little bit better. So he doesn't have to do as much singing, I think in a row. Right. And also, it's interesting to make note that there isn't as much in-between song banter as there was in prior shows, right? Hallelujah. Which is, yeah, which is going to save his voice doing that because, you know, there's nothing worse than hearing him. Like, I have that rock him ring, and there's nothing worse than hearing hear him doing that, I got a feeling. Like, oh. Yeah, and it's like, God, like, listen to your voice, dude. You're killing it. Like, you know. <laughs> And he's like, hold it, hold it. We got to remember Dio. You know, it's like, it's just, come on. Like, that was great that he did that. But it's smart now that he's figuring out that maybe I should keep my voice for the actual singing instead of his, you know, his biblical hallelujahs that he would do on stage there, right? So, but I think that the set list now is kind of, you know, worked out. Like, it's, it's almost in their mind, they know now what works, what doesn't. What will appease them? Let's put in a couple of odd deep cuts, like he said, you know. Who knows? Maybe the next turn, maybe they'll throw in, like, Sweet Pain or something. Maybe just something odd in there just to make people go, wow, you know. And it's always going to seem to be, I think, one song. I think we can always kind of count on maybe one odd song being placed in. I don't expect, like, three or four, you know, odd songs. I see these people who make these set lists on, you know, the border, like, they should play Under the Rose and all this stuff. It's like, they're not going to do that kind of stuff, you know. They're going to just play the songs that they work and that they have worked throughout the years and that people kind of, you know, agree with, you know. But for me, I think the set list is, is good. I think I think they've worked it out. I think they, they kind of have a grip on it now. Yeah, good point. Ken, how about you? Yeah, well, this set list obviously is great uh, for the, the Vegas, uh, you know, shows. Um, adding in extra, but uh, yeah, on the tour now, I think they've kind of figured it out um, what I think they can do, but maybe that's just, it's just a matter of they're getting too old <laughs> is, is you know extending the, the show a little bit longer and to get those extra you know uh, nuggets, I guess, of songs that uh, the hardcore fans like 
into the show um, if they can somehow uh, get them in. I don't know. You know, lengthen it. Uh, maybe that could be done with less banter, like Mark is saying, less banter. And then the, you have maybe you don't need long solos of anything, um, really, to try to squeeze in some more music, uh, more classics possibly. But, yeah, it's it's better. Obviously, it's better than what we've seen, you know, uh, some years ago where it was just the same set list over and over. Now they're actually considering, you know, throwing in a Flaming Youth or, or whatever into the set. And, uh, and hopefully maybe the next tour, you know, it looks like they're going to continue next year. Um, of course, they have already one show announced, so you know maybe throw in a, a different one to replace Flaming Youth and do some other uh, you know hardly played song you know from the past. So one thing that surprised me with the set list on Vegas is I don't skip Lick It Up, which always surprises me. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's Lonnie. Do you think that this is a perfectly balanced set list for Vegas and uh, you know? You know, I, I think it is. Um, I, I think it is a, a very balanced set list. I think they gave the fans, you know, it, it caters to the casual fan um, or the fan that's seen Kiss for the first time with opening with the short rock city and closing with rock and roll all night and having do and having lick it up. And I and, and I just criticize I love it loud, but having lick it up and I love it loud right smack in the middle and you with two songs that a casual fan knows, opening with a song that people really know, closing with a song pe- people really know, and shout it out loud as an encore as well. And but at the same time, throwing in songs for people who traveled to Vegas or people who are hardcore fans and have seen them, you know, dozens and dozens of times with Creatures of the Night, as I spoke about a little bit ago, with Parasite, with Tears Are Falling, three songs that you normally wouldn't get at a kiss show you know and and going back to the so i think the set list really works for what they what they were trying to do and playing for the audience that was in attendance i one thing i wish they would have done from going to two shows back to back friday and saturday night is maybe you play one different song friday and and saturday night just because Mm -hmm. a lot of the same people that were there friday night are there saturday night too you can maybe (laughs) play just one different song because they had played like plaster caster down at those shows in mexico before they went on the cruise and that like oh change out parasite with plaster caster that'd be really freaking cool you know because and like the second night my wife's like she's like just standing there i'm like what's wrong she's i'm bored it's the same show we saw last night i'm like yeah but it's still kissing and like whatever but (laughs) yeah they they certainly could have because the one of the show i went to on the fifth they play let me go rock and roll and i was made for loving you so yeah, so I mean, it's they easily like, could have. I mean, come on, it's in their repertoire. I mean, for a Friday, Friday and Saturday night show in the same city, switch up one song. But that's not. We're not here to criticize. We're not here to talk about just the Vegas shows. We're talking about like the CD and the Blu-ray. But you know, I think they figured it out not only for these Vegas shows, but like you're saying for the live show as well. Like on the tour they're doing now with playing Flaming Youth. You know, go back to 2014 when they were touring that summer when they played Hide Your Heart in the middle of the show. They gave you a nugget. And on that tour with Def Leppard, just like they're giving fans that are going to see him now a nugget with Flaming Youth. So I think they really have come up with the formula to play the standards, but at the same time switch up the standards just a tad, like by throwing in 
cold gen if you haven't heard if we haven't played that in a few years or strutter if we haven't played that in a few years but still sticking with standards and throwing in a just one gem for the tour so and i think you know you said that you know there's a show that they already announced in oklahoma for 2017 that who knows what their i don't know what their what their plans are they going to come back to the states again and do a markets i don't know because they've played a lot of shows in the states this summer you know, or are they going to go back to Europe and Canada know, or, or Canada, pardon me. And, you know, continue with that formula and maybe throw in a, uh, you know, a different gem, like, like, um, almost human or something like that. Under the Who knows? No. You started it. Um, <laughs> so, so Mark, when when you look at the performances of each of the guys on on the show, is there one of them that you think could be called the MVP of Kiss Rocks Vegas? Is there anyone who, who jumps out at you? Um, yeah, yeah, there there is, and I mean, well, I thought about this long and hard, and it was close between two people, and I have to give the slight edge though to Tommy. I think Tommy Thayer has really, you know, stepped up his game. I think he's let all the naysaying slide off his back now, and he's just concentrating on playing and being a really good guitar player. I mean, as much as he's replicating the lines that Ace and the other guitar players have done, I'm starting to notice just an inkling of a little bit of his style coming into play now. You know what I mean? So that's good. I think that that's always something that a guitar player hopes for, that you can maybe show a little bit of your own personality in within the music. And I think, I think it's starting to show a, a teensy bit starting to come through. And But more importantly, like I said before, I think that he's showing that what this band needs and has always needed was a team player, guitar player. And they have that now with him. They have somebody who can you know cover up for Paul and who can sing really well too. I mean, there's been lots of times, too, where you've seen Paul dancing around and he didn't have to run back to the microphone to do some of the vocal harmonies because Eric and Paul and, I mean, sorry, Eric and Tommy and Gene can do it. You know, there's three competent voices that can do this now. So for me, I think that Tommy's really, you know, stepped up his game. And, and the acoustic performance for me, I find that I watch that a lot. Since I've had it, I've watched the whole show, the whole DVD probably like seven times already and i really enjoyed it every single time and even the acoustic show i thoroughly enjoy and i think that he really does a great job on the acoustic show i think that that and that's that's tough i mean anybody who plays guitar can tell you that it's a little bit tougher to play some of these songs on acoustic guitar or even classical guitar or whatever than it is on electric you know it's less forgiving right so i think that he really did a great job. I mean, you know, kudos to Eric Singer. He was a close, close, close second in this too, because, you know, with his singing and his fantastic drumming, I mean, just his, you know, his drumming that he did on like Love Em All I Can and the acoustic, those crazy drum fills on a acoustic performance was just unbelievable. You know, it's like, wow, like even let it go on something like that, you know? So he, he has the fire, he has the drumming skills, you know, to, they don't need to worry for a long time. There ain't going to be no slowed down tempos or drummers stopping in the middle of a song like in 79 or something like that, right? So, Shout out you know, Peter from I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's, 
I think that they're in good hands. I think that KISS can go now as long as they want to because they have a good support system. So hats off to Tommy Thayer. Oh, that's very nice. I'm going to give you mine, and it is Paul Stanley, Ringmaster, has done the work to find out what works and is still the ultimate front man, is still an engaging front man, and I really like him as a guy who doesn't talk as much in between the songs now because that was one of the things I really didn't care for. Now, on this show, where you get sort of a condensed Paul Stanley, where he's talking where he needs to, he's doing the... And obviously, there's some overdubs on this um, in the right places. It's not... I don't think it's overdubbed to hell. It, it sounds very organic, very, you know, real. You know, explosions are enhanced. Some vocals, you see him covering his microphone at times with his hand, um, which I'm sure are areas that... You know, maybe we're later, you know, to, to mass. Adjusted. Yeah, you know, maybe, you know, that was just a, a marker of sorts. Maybe not. Maybe I'm conspiracy theorist in training. But I, I really feel he's worked hard to be able to put on a show like Kiss Rocks Vegas. And the fruits of that work are very evident in the performance being as enjoyable as it has been. And I think the positive comments made by us individually um, or as a, a as a group, as members of the board, you know, have been overwhelmingly positive towards it. So, Paul, MVP, good work, excellent work. And I'd also say, you know, nice of you to pick Tommy because obviously those contributions are valuable. Lonnie, MVP for you. Well, I thought about this, and I think I can narrow it down to four people right away. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a four man it's a four man race, but I think for me the winner is Eric Singer. I think he has stabilized not stabilizes but he has stabilized his band with his drumming over the last since two thousand and four since he came in as a permanent fixture again. And it's very evident on here how solid he still is, and this is two thousand fourteen, how solid of a drummer he still is. And Eric's no spring chicken anymore either. I mean, Eric always got the, you know, the shtick of being the baby in the band for a while. But he's, you know, he's he's come up in age quite a bit, and he is still just as solid and as steady as ever. And not only that, but his backing vocals on on it are so good. His harmonizations are so great that it just bring life into those into the choruses. So, and and I. You always hear that a band is never is only as good as its drummer, and they have one of the best drummers in the game, in my opinion, in Eric Singer. And he is he's always been phenomenal since he came on board with the band, and he's still phenomenal to this day. And he just brings life to these songs. Where I mean, I'm, and I'm not trying to compare him to other drummers, but, but I will say where life was missing from some of these songs for you know periods of time, and. They just sound, and I don't. I don't think they could sound any better. So for me, it's hands down, Eric. Ken. So Ken, you have to say Gene. Yep. <laughs> I'd love to say Gene, actually, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to say Gene. I mean, he's solid as usual. Um, he's always solid. But I'm going to go with, uh, even though he was missing a, a, a whammy bar, I'm going to pick Tommy Thayer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's because uh, all the reasons that Mark said I mean and he's just so solid and holds this band together and 
uh, you know, fills in when he needs to, uh, just doing all the right stuff. And, and for another reason is for producing the set. I mean, producing the video, um, and you know he's done a lot of the kissology stuff in the past and now this and this is just top notch i mean he just did a fantastic job on the the whole packaging uh video i i, I know someone you know there's a lot of people involved in it but he's gonna be the overseer and uh, probably the final well besides paul and gene the sign off on it um, but mm-hmm. it's his vision i think on how the video should be and and the production of the, you know, the the music and the everything else that goes along with it. So it's it's Tommy Thayer, for sure, uh, than this one. So what should be the next video release? Unplugged two. Cobo Hall two thousand nine. I don't think they're the, gonna do it. <laughs> Mon- yeah, did they film Monterey? They filmed Cobo Pro Hall. Shot, Creatures of the Night. Yeah, if only. <laughs> right. That, that, I think that probably has some whammy bar in it. What about that? Yeah. What about that? Uh, what about that asylum footage that Tommy Thayer was talking about that they have the pro shot of? Why don't they release that finally? Maybe Kissology Four yeah. finally. I don't know. Who knows? But if this is the entry into the world of Blu-ray, um, all I can say is I hope they film some other shows because I don't think you can go back and do much of the Kissology, those shows, or the source material. No. On Blu-ray. Yeah, Maybe some, yeah. of the, some of the old prints, maybe if anything got saved from uh, Phantom, would be nice to to see upscaled and you know done properly. But and and, and again the the uh, the Kiss Cruise stuff. I mean, they got a lot to draw from there. Yeah, so. the, the unofficial stuff that was put together by fans. Some of it's really good. Is, is insanely good, and you I'm know, sure they had their own. There's some patchy stuff in there, but there's also a lot of really good quality. It's just, uh, you'd love to see the band do it. All right, so I think the the verdict for Kiss Rocks Vegas is overwhelmingly positive. Would that be a a fair appraisal? I'm going to... Absolutely. Yes. I'm going to watch it again tomorrow, damn it. And then... Yeah. Wow. Just enjoy this while it lasts, because it's just... Wow, wow, wow. I didn't feel this way over Kissology, because we'd seen most of that stuff, so... You know, it, it's a very well done job, and kudos to the band for doing it. And it's really nice to hear the majority of people happy for a change. Huh. Yeah. Enjoy. Right. I think we'll enjoy that while it lasts. So, unless anyone has any final <laughs> thoughts or comments, I think we can call this one a wrap. Just one last little thing, just quickly. Just it. You did mention just really quickly about the fact that there are overdubs, and I just want to make a point that. While there are little overdubbings that were done vocally on here, this is a great example of how not to overdo it and keep the vibe of the show, and it sounds excellent. What was fixed, I think, had to be fixed, just more from technical stance, I think. But other than that, this is a great show, and there, there are still warts and all on it. So it's it's not about the warts. It's about the vibe, and I think it's great. Yep, and it comes across. So that's the podcast view on the show why don't you uh, come over to the board or find uh, the topic on facebook and on youtube and give us your thoughts on the questions that we've asked about kiss rocks vegas today obviously everyone's got their own ears and brain so we'd love to hear your opinions and also on some of the other topics we've touched on so we thank you for listening today from ken from lonnie mark myself we will see you next time
Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again. Thank you.